the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always an honor. Today is Friday, October the 23rd, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on October 23, 1983, 241 U.S. service members, most of them Marines, they were killed in a suicide truck bombing at Beirut International Airport in Lebanon. A Muslim terrorist drove the truck right into the barracks. It exploded killed 241 of our people. I remember that well. I was, it was a Sunday morning, and I was early. I was driving to our church for the early service, the first service, and um, listening to the news, and I heard that. Today we live in a world that has somewhat become desensitized. In those days, we hadn't heard as much as often of those kinds of things as we do now. But it was shocking then, it's shocking now. We live in a broken, sinful world. That's why we need a Savior. And God has provided that for us. In the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, who died and rose from the dead so that we can have hope in a hopeless world and have eternal life. Sins forgiven. Today in 1783, Virginia emancipated the slaves who fought for independence during the Revolutionary War. A lot of the slaves, not all of them, but many of them didn't want to leave. They they said, great, I'm emancipated now. I want to stay with the uh, people who formerly owned, quote unquote, me, because I like them. I'm part of the family. Really, there's a lot of accounts that never you'll never hear that from today's progressive so-called educators. But it's true. Happened in other states as well. Today in 1910, Blanche Scott, she became the first woman to make a public solo airplane flight. Yeah, first time a woman had flown an airplane. She reached an altitude of 12 feet, like 12 feet above the ground. I mean, it's great. Maybe she didn't want to fly any higher than that. I don't know. But anyway, it happened today in 1910. Today in 1929, the first transcontinental air service began from New York to Los Angeles. Today in 1941, the Walt Disney Company um, introduced the animated feature Dumbo. It was about a young circus elephant who learns how to fly. That premiered in New York. Can you only imagine how politically incorrect Dumbo is Today, that's why you never hear that much about Dumbo anymore. From the circus to the name to the big ears to the whole thing, it just wouldn't be acceptable to the far left today, the politically correct. Today, in 1987, the U.S. Senate rejected the Supreme Court nomination of Robert Bork. I could talk an hour on that. I won't today, but we have before and will again. Robert Bork was a brilliant mind, would have been a great asset 
to the Supreme Court. But the Judicial uh, Committee, headed then by then-Senator Joe Biden, they skewered the guy. They destroyed his life because he was too conservative. He was brilliant, and yes, he was conservative. He was a constitutionalist. It was a sad day for the country. Today in 2001, the nation's anthrax uh, scare hit the White House. They discovered a small concentration of the spores on an off-site mail processing center. All the mail that goes to the White House, you probably know this. I mean, I think we all do. But if you, like, send a letter to the president and say, Mr. President, I support you. Thank you. God bless you. It doesn't go to the White House. It goes to a mailing center, and it's checked out, as it should be. It's checked out, and, and you know, they check for spores and everything else that could be in mail. So anyway, they found it there. It didn't get into the White House per se, but it was headed in that direction. Today, in 2009, President Barack Obama declared the swine flu outbreak a national emergency. Well, it was. And we get buried in all of this, um, all of the criticisms of Trump and Pence and how what a horrible job they've done with this uh, more current virus, this COVID Wuhan virus. But we forget how quickly because the press forgets. The press is very selective in their, quote, news reporting. We'll talk more about that in a few moments, but they don't report this anymore. But do you know that the CDC says there were 60 million people, 60 million people in America, the U.S., that were infected by the swine flu? President Trump made an interesting comment at the uh, debate last night. He was talking about, they were talking about Joe Biden was just blasting him because of the horrible job that he and Pence have done on handling this coronavirus. And the point is that nobody knew what it was going to be, and and um, they had to deal with it as they learned, including Fauci and Bricks and all the rest of these, the science, as they say, because we had to learn. We didn't know what it was. Nobody did. Nobody could have. But now they're making a case, and Biden really was on that last night in the debate, that it's been a miserable failure and all these people have died. I mean, it is horrible. And every time Trump says one person dying is too many and it's horrible, he always, he always, that's always the pretext to when he talks about what they've done. And they have done, I think, a very good job. I'm probably biased, but I think they have. But Trump made the comment last night. He said, if he said if one of your people that was involved very closely with the administration, and I, I think the guy's a doctor, I'm not sure, but he, he was in that group that was advising and kind of leading the Obama-Biden response to these to this swine flu back in um, 2009. And he came out the other day, and he's a Democrat, but he said, he said, I'm a Democrat, but he said, I got to tell you, he said, the way the administration, that would have been Obama-Biden, handled the swine flu epidemic, he said, was disastrous. He said, and I'm quoting him, everything that we could have done wrong, we did. Everything. He said it was chaotic and disastrous. Trump made the comment, he commented on that statement last night in the debate. Then he made the comment, he said, if swine flu would have been as lethal as the coronavirus is, he said there would have been 
millions of millions of people dead in America. That's true. But nobody cares because that doesn't fit the narrative that the media and the left are putting out to the American people. But it is nonetheless true. I noticed a phrase that Joe Biden used last night in the debate. I thought the debate went well. I thought the the moderator, I got to be honest with you, the moderator, uh, she interrupted Trump 24 times and Biden too, but I mean, it was biased, and the questions were 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 written as expected. Were written in favor of Biden, and the the questions that favored the first guy to answer were always given to Biden. I mean, that's just a given, but it's always going to be that way in the America that we have and know today, until it changes and becomes more of the America that our founding fathers uh, founded and envisioned those years ago when they created the United States of America and the Constitution. So we have to live with that, and that's expected in these kinds of situations. But I thought she performed a little better than I expected her to. She's talented. I, she was well-spoken and all that. I mean, I've seen her doing her thing on NBC a number of times. Some of you probably have as well. But um, it went better than I had thought that it might. And the thing that I was very happy about was that President Trump was more um, more restrained, more um, disciplined would be the right word in my mind. I wish he would have been a little more like that in that first debate. I think it would have served him well. But what do I know? I'm not running for president. And uh, he is the president. So that just some of my thoughts, and we'll come back to some of that in a moment. But I noticed Joe Biden mentioned made a term, and I heard him say this the other day in one of the few times that he's spoke, spoken public, publicly in the last week. He used the term dark winter, and he said it a couple of times last night. He warned that we're headed into a dark winter. He said, quote, a dark winter is looming. He said it in terms of and in relationship to the virus and the infections. And then he said it again, just kind of in isolation, just in a general sense. We're headed into a dark winter. I picked up on it at least twice. There could have been another mention of that. But it's it's a phrase that he's starting to use now and has been even before the debate. Well, the president was defending his record on the pandemic, and he kept saying there's a vaccine that's imminent. And they're saying, no, there's not. You know, there isn't going to be one. And I thought, you know, how much different uh, a conservative is in their worldview just in regards to how you look at things. You know, it's kind of like Benjamin Franklin when he was sitting, sitting in the meeting with George Washington chairing it. And they were trying to figure out how to write a constitution. And they'd studied all these other constitutions all over the place. They say so in their writing. They say, we've looked at all these other countries in Europe and everything. We can't come up with something from there that looks like it would be good for the United States of America. And they were discussing all that. And they then they had a kind of a blow up. And they got upset at each other. And some of the guys left. And and Benjamin Franklin called for prayer. And, and they came back for prayer and I mean, it, there's more to it than that, but that's the bottom line. 
and they prayed, and they began to pray daily, and in a matter of days, the Constitution was formed. Well, during that process, Benjamin Franklin also made a comment, and he said to the chairman, who was George Washington, he said, I've been looking at the chair that you're sitting in. He said, during this time of great debate and and disagreement and all as we've come together, and he said there's a carved uh, emblem of a sun that's sitting on the horizon. And he said, I've been wondering during these interchanges that we're having and over our attempt to create this new country, he said, I've been wondering if that sun is rising or setting. He said, today I am convinced that that's a rising sun. That's America. And you know, that's when you look at the left, they're always living in the days of the setting sun. They never see any bright future. They never see any hope, hopefulness. The conservative, and particularly the Christian, we can see the positive. We can see what's happening. Yes, there are difficulties. This country is a mess right now. But Trump says we're going to get this vaccine, and we're. He said twice last night. He said we're rounding the turn. I hope he's right. I thought we were going to round the turn two weeks into March. Remember March about ten months ago or whatever it was. Marjorie and I said, well, we're going to kind of not be doing a lot of the things we used to do. <clears throat> this this uh, virus is going to, this Chinese virus, as we were calling it then, as viruses have always been identified by where they came from. Ebola is a river in Africa and so on. But anyway, now that's not politically correct. You can't call it Chinese virus. But anyway, this virus. So Marjorie and I decided we kind of stay out of the, you know, and not do a lot of stuff that we were doing. And for, you know, two or three weeks and get through this thing because we didn't want to get this virus. And I'm over 40 and she soon will. No, she is. But um, that was a long time ago. But I still see hopefulness. There is hope. And I think many of you see that too. And these are some of the darkest hours in the history of our country, equal to if not greater than the time of Lincoln. And when he was running for for re-election, 1864. I mean, these are difficult times. But you always see the left coming out with these dark winter and, you know, and, and foggy days. I, I don't know. It, it, it's always that way. Reagan defined that. He talked about it, in fact, in his during his era. Uh, we saw that again last night, this dark winter. I bring that up to tell you that thousands of witches, self-professed witches, are plotting to cast a binding spell on Donald Trump. The witches are celebrating this rare confluence of two powerful moon events, they call it. Full moon at the beginning of October and full moon at the end of October. According to social media, and I've kind of looked into this a little bit, these mystic women are set to plot multiple binding spells and events on the president on Halloween. That's next Saturday, week from tomorrow. That's That'll be their biggest spiritual attack this year, according to them and their spokespeople. And there's thousands of them that are part of this. It isn't just a few. One of the identified witches that must be a leader or something on Facebook, on this group, it's called Bind Trump. 
And they also refer to themselves as hashtag uh, magic resistance. They say they're binding Trump to join their forces to create a blue wave spell in October 31st and on November 2nd, the day before the, quote, election, even though, what, 50 or 60 million people have already voted. They're taking their effort online. They're using social media. Of course, social media never fact-checks or does anything about this could be harmful message or whatever. I mean, they're, they're fine with all of this. But they're using these hashtags, and one of the leaders said that this magic is going to be used against Trump, but they've already used some of their magic, some of their power, they called it, against Trump. They're binding him, and they are asking the powers, the dark powers, to cause Trump to go off the rails and they had been doing so all day yesterday to, that he would go off the rails last night. Well, I, I'm here to tell you that their incantations were not answered. He didn't go off the rail. He was about as good as he can be with his personality. So that didn't happen. But they're saying again this morning, this will drive the election home. It will put him off the rails. And I'm quoting them, let's work our magic hard. (laughs) Some of the witches even claim that they have already successfully cast a spell on Trump, a binding spell. That's what caused him to get his coronavirus. They're saying that they're using their magical powers to cast the spell during the last full moon, which, as I said, is at the end of October. CBN News was talking about that this morning and yesterday. They made some comments about it. These two powerful moons seem to have empowered these witches, thousands of them. And so they're all keyed in, and they're all of one spirit, they say, to take advantage of this book-ended situation with these two powerful full moons in one month. In the meantime, most polls, some of them that are very biased, say Trump lost the debate last night and Biden won by a landslide. But most of the polls that are even <clears throat> even moderately so uh, fair say that Trump won last night. He made better points. He made them more articulately and so on. So the president was composed. He stayed on message. So that spell didn't work. But if you ever think for a moment that all of this is about politics, think again. It isn't. There is a spiritual warfare that's going on in our world today. There always has been since Satan himself was was cast out of heaven because he wanted to supplant. He wanted to take the place of God. And his spirit is among us today, strongly and forcefully. It is the spirit of darkness. It is the spirit of the age. It is, the Bible calls it many different things, but... It is that spirit of darkness. That's why Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter chapter 6, verse 12. He said, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. There are many other scriptures that address this issue of darkness and the darkness of the age. 
This is one of them. But make no mistake, and I think most of you who listen to this program, except those of you who listen to it so you can try to, you know, somehow negatively affect us by things we say on the radio, and there are those, but most of you know what the Bible says about this, and you know that the, the, the wrestling, the, the, the competition in our world and in our lives personally is not necessarily about flesh and blood, but it's about principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age. That's why we've got to stay close to the Bible. We've got to stay close to the truth. We've got to stay close to the Word of God. Because that is the only thing that is not going to be shaken today. I was reading a note, a bunch of notes from people who support us. This one came from a couple in Seattle area, a suburb. It says, Dear Gary and staff, my husband and I have been listening to your program on KGNW Seattle 820 on the radio for several months now. We've been so blessed by your honesty, your character, and the content of the material you share. And then this is the point that I wanted to make. Thank you for being true to the Word of God. Bless you, God bless you and your ministry. If nothing else, I pray that we will always, and we will, be true to the Word of God, because that is all we have. I've spent my life preaching and propagating the Word of God. I've had coconuts thrown at me, really, in the South Pacific, on the beach, preaching to 100, 200 people, telling them why we needed to build a church in their village, and we did, and it got filled up with people. I had people in the background behind banana plants throwing coconuts. And men, when they're green off those trees, they're heavy. They're not, they're not that heavy in the grocery store when they're kind of dried out, but they're heavy. Nobody ever hit me, but they've thrown them at me. So I've, I've been around, and I know what some of the resistance is, but I will tell you that our life has been dedicated to the best of our ability to saying what we say and doing what we do based on God's Word, and we will always continue that, and thank you for recognizing that. Thank you to all of you in Seattle who are supporting us. We don't have enough of you yet. So if you if you believe in what we're doing and you think it's valuable, I would encourage you to join us and support us. We need to hear from you in Seattle, in the Seattle area, listening to 8.20 a.m. And thank you to those of you who are standing with us and supporting us. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. And that would include for all of you outside of Seattle. We need your support every month to meet our budget. Thank you. You can also contribute online at faithandfreedom.us. That's our website. You'll see a tab come up there. The light was turned on yesterday. Tony Bublinski. I would suspect he could be Polish. I have some Polish friends and most of them... Their last name ends with a ski. I don't know, but he was listed as the recipient on some of the email that the New York Post reported about this week. It's a bombshell, as some of the, a lot of people like to use, story, but none of the press will cover it. None of them. They refuse. There's not even a pretense anymore. They're just saying, no, we, we won't cover it. We don't want that news out there. It's not a story. Bablinski is the CEO of a print company, 
which is the partnership between a now-defunct company headed up by Chinese Chairman Yi and the Biden family. I'm not overstating. Boblinski is a milita- military veteran. He was in the Navy. He was a lieutenant or something, I don't know, in the Navy. And um, good guy. Everybody seems to like him, that knows him. He was confirmed to U.S. authorities that he was and is, in fact, a recipient. He said the email are genuine. He said the big guy that's mentioned there to get $10 million set aside for him is Joe Biden. He said, I was running the company that they were using to do this stuff with. He says he is and will fully cooperate with the U.S. authorities. There's more to come, he says. This morning, just about, oh, just a half hour before we came on the air, I noticed that the FBI announced that he will be uh, meeting with them soon, like as in like today or the first of the week. And he'll be sharing more of his information with them. They have that laptop that was left in his shop. He said, I'll be talking... Uh, I'll be talking uh, with them and sharing with them what I know. He said, I couldn't take it anymore. He said, I kept watching Joe Biden tell the American people. And by the way, Boblinski is a registered Democrat. He always votes Democrat. That's why he was part of the bunch with the Biden. But he said, I couldn't take it anymore because he said that is so untrue. He said, this whole thing is set up. It's a family business. It's a family. He didn't use the word cartel, but I mean, that's what it is. And they're selling power, Joe's power as vice president, to these people in Russia and China and Ukraine and elsewhere. And that's what's behind this story. And that's why the press will not allow this to come out. I wrote a rather extensive article on this today at faithandfreedom.us. And I would encourage you to go there and read it because you're not going to read this in the press because, again, they just won't read it. Um, Fox is covering it. OAN is covering it, television, and the conservative websites are covering it. But you get beyond that, not a word, not a peep. Even there's a list now that has emerged. It's called key contact list for people to join them in their investment scheme, which is money flowing to them under the guise of, of being an investment I mean, this is not like rumor. It's like in black and white. This guy has turned over even some of the agreements, some of the deals that were made and signed to the authorities here in America. The list of future investors, I don't know if they did or not, but they're on their list, their working list, is Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, um, Kamala Harris, who is now Vice President uh, nominee for uh, Joe's, uh, Chuck Schumer, Amy Klobuchar from Democrat, Senator Dianne Feinstein, Senator Gillibrand, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio, former Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe. All these guys are on this list. In one email, Tony is warning, Poblonski, is, is warned by business partners, uh, James Galar. He, he says to Tony, don't mention Joe being involved. It's only when you are face-to-face. I know you know that, but they are paranoid, meaning the Biden family. He says he believes that Chinese involvement in the deal was political, and it was a political investment or a in, um, a leverage-type investment. So the New York Post has published all this stuff, and the press is refusing to cover it. 
And so that's where we are as we end this week on this Friday. And I'll continue this uh, on Monday because this is a story that is consequential. It's historic. So we'll see you then and we'll continue this conversation. But read my article today. We'll see you Monday.